Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Entered the realm of 1111 Talk Radio. Your host is Simran Singh. It's time to discover your own language with the universe. Learn to empower yourself, broaden your mind, open your heart, and discover who you are. Now, here's your host, Simran Singh. We plant seeds which, by their very nature, must come to fruition and bear their own fruits. For a moment, I want you to imagine that everything that you've planted and all that you say and do is causing an effect. When you think about this, be really open and honest with yourself and look at your life as an impartial observer. And be careful not to place any blame on anyone outside of you because everything we create is our personal responsibility. My guest today is Stephen Harefield, and he's had a very interesting and fascinating background. Having been raised in a very normal environment, he decided to stir, serve his country in the military rather than uh, in a rather troubled area, and his duties and expertise led him to Vietnam. While sent here and guided here, he started searching for peaceful answers and higher understanding, and this guided his steps within the walls of a Zen Buddhist monastery in South Vietnam, where he would take refuge and study whenever he could. His natural curiosity blended with a very acute intuitive sense led him to deeper questions of life and the purpose of self. And we are the ones to gain from that because this has resulted in numerous books, including Interview of an American Monk, Metaphysical Interpretation of the Bible, and The Twelve Sacred Principles of Karma, which we will discuss a little bit of today. I'd like to read uh, the dedication to the 12 Principles of Karma for you so you can get to know some of the great heart and wisdom of Dr. Stephen Harefield. This book was written for all seekers. To this end, know that all experience on your path is your personal teacher of life. Know that all experience, whether external or internal, is the guiding light of you, for it may shepherd you to your true nature of divine self, your home. Living the divine being within you is your destiny, the underlying reason for life itself. Seek only the higher truths. All shall be made known and be laid before you from each moment to the next. Truth is all there is to know. There's so much in this book that I will have to tell you there's no possible way for us to cover it in this hour. I urge each and every one of you to go out and buy this book because it will be one of the most powerful reads you will ever have, and it will change your life 
in ways you cannot imagine once you understand these principles of karma. So we're going to try to get into a little bit of it to give you a taste, but by all means, definitely get your own copy and go through this with a fine-tooth comb because you're going to thoroughly enjoy it. I'd like to welcome Dr. Stephen Harefield to 1111 Talk Radio. How are you, Stephen? I'm doing so wonderful. I mean, life to me is just... uh... Well, it's an experience, and thanks for having me. <laughs> that it is, and that's what we're here for. That's kind of our ultimate purpose in life is really to experience ourselves, really. Um, actually, that's one of the keys, or biggest key right there, Simran, to the idea of any level of self-accomplishment is to come to that realization at each moment. Um, there's a Hindi saying that I've always loved, and it says that when you enter the unknown, simply enter it unknowingly. And what we as humans don't realize is we actually go from a known moment into an unknown moment. We go from a known moment into an unknown moment, but Mm -hmm. we go in oftentimes trying to control it and thinking that we know. Oh, indeed. But what we know, Samran, is more things of what happened yesterday. That's what we know. Um, But when... Ever we're in a moment, what we as humans do is we will vacillate between the past and the present, and we make our decisions and choices, uh, if that makes sense. Those are the seeds you talked about in the opening statement, by the way. Well, and I had I had a teacher once that always said, "Don't create the future based on the past." And so many people do that. And when we talk about karma. The things that are happening are based on those past thoughts and emotions, and then if we're just recreating the same stuff, we're going to keep getting the same results. Oh, absolutely. There's no question of that. Uh, here's the funny thing about that, though. A lot of people think that karma, Simran, is a, a form of punishment. That is not. If everybody would look at the idea of karma as it's simply an equalizer, that we all came into this world as equal, life is equal, and karma ensures that it stays that way. We create our own punishment, we create our own downfall, we create our own levels of success through the very same idea, through the seeds that we plant. And by the way, when we go through these cycles of life that we created out of yesterday, we could use them simply as a teacher. What can I do differently here? This is a pattern. And something else you said at the beginning of the show, and that was when we observe that activity uh, objectively, we see it clearly, and we can shift and move uh, with it. If we understand our cause, we know what's coming. It's a simple way to look at it. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And in your introduction to the 12 Principles of Karma, you say that we simply do not fully understand the long-term impact that each of us have on our fellow humans. So aside from just looking at what our thoughts and emotions are and how it's affecting our lives, we are really affecting the people in our families and our communities and the entire global consciousness to a certain extent with everything that we're doing. Absolutely. Um, So many people don't realize the full infinite extent of oneness. And if everything is one, we can realize that the drops of water in an ocean have created the oceans, and that's one thing. And when we stand back and throw a pebble into that consciousness, um, the ocean, we see the ripples, and they keep going and going and going. And that's how one individual can indeed impact the world. Um, Interesting saying uh, that just came to mind comes out of the uh, ancient text known as the Nag Hammadi. 
And what it says is, is for the world to change, it simply takes one person. Mm. One. That's the extent of the impact that karma can do. I mean, look at Gandhi. Look what he did. One person. Martin Luther King. One person. The Christ, the Buddha. You name it. It's always ever been simply one having the extended effect on all of consciousness. So, yes, we can. At all well, and I think part of that is, is getting to the place where we love ourselves to, enough to recognize that we are that one person as well. We, we each have that power, but it has to begin first in our own little personal world so that it can ripple out. And I loved the analogy that you gave when you talked about the ripple of water, the drop, because we all know that visualization of a drop hitting a pool of water and those ripples going out. But how you talked about karma and what actually happens to that final ripple makes a lot of sense. And I'd like for you to talk about that so that people get a better idea of what that karma is that comes back. Well, one of the things that uh, um, I believe that most of us don't realize is we are a living, walking, thinking, breathing electromagnetic field generator. So with each thought and emotion that emanates from us, it actually finds that event, that circumstance, or that idea, and then it's going to return it to us. And that is what we call experience. So you see, if we want our experience to change, it's as simple as shift your self-perspective. And you said something very key, Simran. Love, self-love. If you don't love yourself first, how can you love another? More importantly, how can they love you? So if we want to impact consciousness, that's the place to start. Does that make sense? Most definitely. And I think a big barrier for a lot of people is we think we know what love is. We think we're in love. We think we are in love with the idea of love. Or we think that we're just fine and that the rest of the world is the ones that are, that are the problem. But there, it is a requirement for us to do this self-introspection and, and, and to be able to look at our lives and say, how did I create this? Not from a blame standpoint, but more so from a learning and an objective and, and just almost, a, 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 not, I don't want to say the word entertainment, but it, it almost is to kind of figure out, how did I do this so that I can do something different? Uh, I attempt to help people all the time understand that we are our own personal creators. Um, the biblical text says we have dominion over all things. It doesn't say we're better than, but it says we have dominion, which means we can influence things. And more importantly, we not only influence our lives, but we influence everybody else's. Here's a perfect example. I'm on the western side of the United States, you're on the eastern side of the United States, and then we have all the listeners out there that are hearing this discussion. It's having its effect, not only from me to you and you from me, but to all of the people out there. There's a beautiful, present example of the idea of spreading knowledge, love, compassion, and true sharing of being. Well, and and I want to talk a little bit about the story of how you came to this knowledge. For some people, it's going to be a very mystical experience, and and they may say, well, how could that possibly happen? And other people have had their own experiences where they know certain things like this can happen. But you got this longing to go to another part of the world and to study and to, to learn wisdom. And as you were 
trekking through India and, and finding your way, you stopped at a coffee shop, not knowing anyone, and then all of a sudden two monks entered and then they said your name. And there was no way they could have possibly known you, but yet they knew you. How, how is that possible? Uh, that's called consciousness and the recognition of oneness. Uh, when we all realize that we're all um, inseparably connected, we're picking up on each other's thoughts but we don't realize it. Um, here's a perfect example. Simran, let's say that you have a passing thought, uh, a fond memory of a person you haven't seen in quite a while. What usually occurs? They'll pick up the phone and call me. Indeed, and what's the first thing they say to you? I was thinking about you. There's, again, another real example of how consciousness operates. I just happened... At the time, when I found myself in India, I was doing nothing but following urges. I was not following any level of logic. Uh, you could even say not even any level of common sense, because I had no idea where it was going. I had no map. I was just following my sense or feel. And I ended up at that shop, and I heard those words, and my hair turned white. <laughs> <laughs> but... That's consciousness in action, and we just gave a real-world example, and more times than not, the first thing out of that person's mouth when the phone rings, email, or you see them on the street is, I've been thinking about you. That's as simple as it works. When it comes to self-understanding, we make it too complex um, through that analytical side. And the greatest way that a person can learn to understand themselves begins with loving yourself and accepting yourself for who you are and all the doors will open. So if you imagine that that drop of water falls into your pool and it starts to ripple out, and that thought or emotion that you just had, albeit good or bad, positive or negative, has gone out into the world, there is a return mechanism which will bring back to you like-kind experiences, people, and equations that will let you feel that thought and the emotion. Now imagine that we each thought we have is either a crystal clear drop of water or a fine brown speck of silt, with the drop representing the higher thought forms such as love, harmony, and peace, and the specks of silt representing things like hate, anger, and fear. Both the higher and lower forms contribute to your personal pool. However, if you place more specks of silt into your pool than clear drops of water, their accumulation over days, weeks, months, and even years will eventually fill your once clear pool of consciousness. This is from Stephen Harefield's book, The Twelve Sacred Principles of Karma. You can find out more about him at harefield.com. That's H-A-I-R-F-I-E-L-D.com. And on his website, you will find his books in addition to different speaking engagements, lectures, and events that you can see him at. We'll be right back with Stephen Harefield. Your online community for positive change. Seventh Wave Network. Have you seen 1111? 
Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. www.1111mag.com 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. Hi, this is Randall Libero, host of Spirit of Film Conversations. I hope you'll join me each week as I explore how movies and media are changing the way we think, live, relate, and dream. My program showcases today's independent and visionary filmmakers and their personal and artistic journey to bring their vision to the big screen, television, DVD, or streaming video on the Internet. We also cover subjects on new media and the Internet, tech news and developments in digital production, and about the groundbreaking ways people all over the world are creating a brighter future using the tools of streaming video, social media, and portable devices. So I hope you'll join me every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. Also check out my website at spiritoffilm.net to find out more about the show and my guests each week. And thanks for listening to Seventh Wave and Being the Change. The new home for visionary positive change. Seventh Wave Network. Listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you'd like to join today's discussion, please call in toll free at 1 866 472 5795. Again, 1 866 472 5795. You may also send an email to info at believesc.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simran Singh. What pebbles do you cast into your pool of consciousness? What would you like to have as an experience? What would you like your life to become? Karma has the power to deliver it to you and the power to block it as well. Karma is a very powerful concept to learn and understand, let alone work with. Yet our very key is to actually work with it because we absolutely cannot avoid it. Now, I want you to understand that karma is not punishment. It is a genuine, natural, unrelenting law of the universe. The mechanism through which gives us experience as the law of return action. Karma was and is the original creative power of the universal divine mind, a purposefully empowered mind and thought. We are in its image and likeness. And this means that everything is objective. Whatever we give out, we simply experience as well. Stephen, this book is so powerful, and there's so many passages in here that really just make you stop and, and want to marinate in it and chew it up and just swallow it and understand it because, because there's such richness, and, and some of it seems so simple, especially when you look at your life and you see things that you've done and see things that have happened. And then on the other hand, it's like, well, 
some questions would be, well, what happened to this person that did this to me, and how come something hasn't happened to them? And a lot of people have those thoughts. They, they want that return action to be on other people right then, but not necessarily have the return action on themselves. Um, I would say be careful if you look at it that way, and you're absolutely uh, accurate in what you just said, Simran. Um, the reason I urge caution is because when you want something to happen to, the, to that other person, you're actually creating a karmic circumstance yourself that you really are not going to like. Um, you wish that on a person, and you may end up with their result because you did that. Because that comes from the position of vengeance. Uh, let's say it's uh, an act of a broken heart where two people break up and the woman is devastated. Um, and you want something to happen to that person. No. If somebody steals from you, as another example, let them have it. It's not worth it. It's just a thing. And by the way, stealing from you can be an emotion. It can be an item, it can be a thought, it can be your identity. Um, karma will get them. It always does. And it'll happen and, in and that is their time. own and that is their own that is their own work getting them. That is not because I do want to emphasize what you emphasize so much in, in the book, and that is that karma is not punishment. It's not something being doled out mm-hmm. by a higher power. It's not something being wielded against us because we were so-called good or bad or committed sin. This is, this is just a natural, objective response. Totally. You can see karma in action in Mother Nature. You, it doesn't blame itself. It just is. It's karma in motion. And what we don't do, two things, Simran. One, the karmic return won't happen until the person's forgotten it. Then it'll come because they won't remember it. The second thing is, is that person, the very last principle of karma is the law of personal responsibility. I remember the day I was walking in, uh, uh, I think it was Nepal, uh, Gyoto Monastery, and all of a sudden I stopped and I went, oh, my, I did create all of this. In that moment, I realized every event in my life that I blamed other people for, I saw it as my own invention and creation. <clears throat> and the best way to break it is then to own it. Own it as yours. And once you do, that karmic cycle is broken. Mm. Once you own it. When we blame people, we become blind to the truth of our own action. Here's a a good analogy, if I might. For an event to take place, two things have to be involved. When warm air and cold air get together, you have a storm. If you have a car driving down a highway minding its own business, that's not an event. But the second it hits a tree or a telephone pole, you have an event. If a person argues and a person argues back, now you have an event. You have two people that are, that are arguing. It's, 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 get, you can get it down to the simplest detail, and you can see it. But personal responsibility has to take place. That's your personal ownership of you, your actions, activities. That means once you do that, all of it's broken. Now you get a new slate, and now you become the true cause but you will always have to assume responsibility for the effect that you create, whether it's on you 
on more than you and on the world. Nobody gets away with anything. Most definitely. My mother, growing up, she always had a statement that she would say to us, and it was, it takes two hands to clap, and you're one of the hands clapping. So, you know, that totally is true, that we have to take self-responsibility for being one of those hands clapping when a situation does occur. It's not just something coming from the other side. I know that a lot of people right now are experiencing especially relationship turmoil, and relationships are probably the greatest ground for our personal self-realization and growth. When we allow ourselves to look at that, but oftentimes people won't look at it that way, you gave a very powerful scenario in the book about um, love and achieving unconditional love and how to get there, but you offered the scenario of someone not having what they needed in a relationship and having an affair. And I'd like to bring this scenario forward so that people start to understand how this all works. Okay. Where would you like to begin? So uh, an individual in a relationship, they're not having uh, the experience that they think they want from the other person. Okay. Uh, and, And they seek that love out from someone else. So what has initially, what was the initial thought there in most cases? Um, well, the initial thought on the person is they came to a point where um, they weren't, they just realized, they think, now hear how I'm going to say this, they think that they're not happy because they're not getting something out of a relationship. I'm going to go one way first, and then I'll go another for you. But instead of them, here's the one way, instead of them sitting down with their partner and saying, honey, this is what I'm experiencing. Can they help me understand it? Most people don't do that. What they do is is they begin blaming their partner for their unhappiness because they're not owning it themselves. If I look at you, Simran, and I say to you, you make me so happy. You've heard that one. But what we don't realize is, is we are also giving that person another power, and that's to make us unhappy. Why? Because we gave ourselves away in the first moment. The object in that scenario to have a balanced relationship is to be happy with who you are and yourself, and your happiness doesn't depend on another. That being the case, you can be in a relationship and you can work it that way because you're happy, they're happy, so you're sharing the happiness. Okay, the person blames their spouse and their unhappiness continues to go, to grow, I mean. Why? Because they're planting the seeds of unhappiness, so that's all that can be returned. Then they're out, and they seemingly, because they've had their mind on meeting a person, they seemingly, accidentally, meet another person. And they fill that void, because they've been avoiding in the first place, and an affair occurs. And actually, the betrayal that has taken place, although it may be felt by the other person, the real betrayal that has occurred has been a self-betrayal. Indeed, to the one that was unhappy. No question. Good for you. Because that's where the karmic return will come from. That's where the karma becomes generated through that authentic seeing, even though it's false, within themselves. My guess, 
My guest today is Stephen Harefield. He is the author of Interview of an American Monk, Metaphysical Interpretation of the Bible, and the Twelve Sacred Principles of Karma. In addition, he does many lectures, has workshops, and numerous audios that you can look up on his website, harefield.com. That's H-A-I-R-F-I-E-L-D.com. Karma is our ultimate teacher, the teacher of our true nature and the true egoless self, as you will see as we journey together into the 12 principles. I'm not going to take you through those 12 principles in this show because I want you to get this book. I want you to go out and buy the 12 sacred principles of karma because you need to understand how you are enacting these laws in your life and how every action and every thought and every emotion that you're putting out there is creating a return for you and you can start to create the returns that you desire rather than have unconscious returns. What goes around comes around is not necessarily true. It is true that whatever happens that you put out, you will experience in your own way. To truly understand these principles, you have to realize it is not possible for any living being to exist without any level of activity, even though you think you can be inactive, even when we're sitting motionless on a sofa, we are mentally or emotionally active and still creating karmic effects. Again, my guest is Stephen Harefield, harefield.com. We'll be right back. Be Extraordinary. Seventh Wave Network. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. www.1111mag.com 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness become enlightened empowered and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices 1111 magazine a daily staple for lifting the mindset discovering the heart and stepping into conscious living 1111 magazine order now at www.1111mag.com 1111mag.com Are you feeling slammed and suckered in today's stock market? If so, then you need to tune in to Profitable Investing with Jordan Kimmel. Every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, Jordan Kimmel will train you in what you can do to beat up the big boys on Wall Street, as well as share his secrets to success so that you can buy and sell like a profit-pumping pro. Grab the bull market by the horns and listen to Profitable Investing with Jordan Kimmel. Every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the bottom line in business talk, Voice America Business. Listening on a higher dimension. Seventh Wave Network. listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you'd like to join today's discussion, please call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5795. Again, 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to info at believesc.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simran Singh. Welcome. 
Welcome back. The next issue of 1111 Magazine will be on stands in about a week and a half. We have some amazing interviews with Dan Millman on the Four Purposes of Life and also with James Van Prague, in addition to some amazing articles that have been contributed by people all over the world. I urge you, if you are not a subscriber to 1111 Magazine, to go to the website and allow yourself the taste of this beautiful magazine. I get to steward it and... It has brought together a community of writers and people that really are doing amazing works in consciousness, and this is a way that you can have an ongoing support tool to help you in your self-realization. In addition, go to my website, to our shop page, and I have just released the Journey to the Soul Meditation CD. I invite you to uh, order that and, and make use of it. It's got some amazing musical frequencies on there that will assist you in raising your vibration and also some powerful meditations that you might enjoy. My guest today is Stephen Harefield, and the 12 Sacred Principles of Karma states... Karma is not a force that crushes, rather it establishes a statement of conditions by which we are to live. From these conditions, results inevitably occur. Put another way, we see the results as an occurrence or experience which is entirely created by our own actions. Remember, these are not punishments unless we live in self-punishment or dole it out by intentionally hurting, stealing, or taking from others. If we live in a happy-go-lucky fashion or careless sense, this is exactly what we will create in our ongoing issues because we do not pay attention to natural circumstances. We have to realize that all natural laws exist to enable us, not disable us, that our knowledge of them is necessary in order to utilize them, not to manipulate or violate them. Stephen, you were uh, talking uh, when we exited the last time and we were speaking about a scenario in, in, the, in the case of someone experiencing an affair and how that ends up being really a, a self-denial uh, or, or abandonment rather than a betrayal rather than uh, someone else betraying. I'd like to give another scenario also just to let people understand what their thoughts are creating. And you did a scenario about a homeowner um, that does everything possible to um, burglar-proof their home because let's say that a burglary happened right next door to them. So some people would say, well, I was just being cautious and I was protecting myself and doing the sensible thing by doing everything possible to burglar-proof my home. But what's really going on behind the scenes with us and how are we creating karma in that way? Um, in the scenario I put in the book, Simran, uh, the man that was putting uh, all the alarms in his home was actually doing it out of fear. Fear is one of the three most powerful uh, emotions that we humans have. Uh, there's fear, there's hate, and there's love. And the others are a myriad of in-between things. But Because in that scenario, he was operating totally from fear. In other words, he knew someone was going to break in, and there's the key. He knew in his mind that his house was going to be robbed. Now, here's the interesting thing when it comes to karma. We know that like attracts like. In fact, the second principle of karma says you attract to you what you are, not what you want. So here he is, afraid of the thief, and the thief being a magnet, they're going to be attracted to each other. And his house gets broken into, alarm or not, and things get stolen. And what does he do? He blames the alarm company without ever looking at himself. And that's where it all starts. It's the level of thought and the level of emotion. If they're pointed on the same target, 
you are creating an effect. You can take that another way. If you are afraid of not having enough money to live on and your thoughts are on that same target, all you're going to experience is lack. That's karma. It's not punishment, but it's also self-denial and and lack of self-responsibility and lack of understanding of what they're actually creating. That's really what's going on. So there's three different scenarios from the same perspective. Does that make sense? Absolutely, and so not to cause fear for anyone, um, I'm sure that there are parents out there that constantly worry about their children, or there are people out there that that have this fear of not having enough, especially with, with the way that the economy is or portrayed that it is at this moment. So how does someone shift that for themselves? How do they take themselves from worrying about my child's going to hurt myself or something's going to happen to them or they're going to have an accident to a place where they can just objectively look at the situation and understand that they don't have to hold those kinds of thoughts? Um, as a parent, first thing that Stephen would say would be this. Uh, realize that what that young entity is doing is learning. How does a child learn not to stick their finger in a candle? There's one of two ways. One way is, is they stick their finger in the candle. Don't spoil the child. It had no idea. I mean, don't don't holler at it, don't terrify it, uh, console it. The second way you could do it, keeping in mind that that entity as a child doesn't know what you know. So what you're doing is you're cloaking your fear on that child, your fear, and that child grows up fearful. There's the karma, and the karmic return is back to the parents. How can you change that? You love the child. You let you realize that they're learning and guide them. Let's go back to the candle. The child sees the candle and is going to be curious. You take their little hand, you talk with them about it, and allow them to feel very slowly until they get close to the candle and let them pull their hand back. Don't you pull it back. That way the child learns. So the parent has to realize the child is going to stumble. You cannot be there every time. And then you guide it, but don't tell it. Does that make sense, Emma? Yes, and and by guiding the child's hand there and allowing them to pull it back, you're actually teaching that child self-responsibility. Indeed. Because they understand that it's their hand that's going to get burned, and they have the power Mm -hmm. to not be burned. Absolutely. That way you also teach the child self-confidence, self-acceptance, and realize it does have that power to make its own choices, and it gets to distinguish on its own what would hurt it and what it won't. And nobody got yelled at, nobody got punished, the parent's okay. So with that being said, then if there is a fear of not having enough money, uh, then that possibly, first of all, would require some introspection that where did I first get this thought? Where did this come from? Maybe this is something that I took on from long ago and this fear has been embedded there. So it means that we have to have the self-responsibility to go back and dig and understand that this may have been something that would have been a family karma or a collective karma that we stepped into as we began our journey. Uh, Absolutely. But what we have to remember, like each of us are, just giving an analogy, we are a cellular structure of consciousness, even a cellular structure of karma. But we have to remember, we do also have independent ability within that, which means we can break that falsehood of lack. Just because your family was that way, 
uh, doesn't mean you have to be that way. But to break that karmic thing, it's simply shifting the perspective of you, your value set. Um, and when we look at the idea of money and lack, there's another thing that goes on. We're taught in this part of the world from the time we're born that you've got to achieve, you've got to have all of that money, all of that retirement, the big house, 50,000 cars. Uh, and then what we do is we create a greater level of fear based on lack. Even if you look at TV commercials, they play on you with lack and insecurity. That's what they're doing. So you're surrounded in a sea of lack. But it doesn't mean that you have to be a part of that. If you control your own personal economy, then that's up to you to control. But you don't base your personal economy on the rest of the world. You don't have to do that. Does that make sense? It does. It most definitely makes sense. Right. That way you become empowered. You become the cause. And the effect is that return. Now, we have to remember something, Simran. And that's that the universe does have a sense of humor. Let's yes, say, it does, doesn't it? <laughs> let's say a person has lack consciousness, and what they keep focusing on is abundance. Well, ladies and gentlemen, there can be an abundance of lack. You'll be in the abundance of lack. Right. So if you have been focusing on abundance, but you have been worrying about lack, you will have that abundance of lack show up. Absolutely. That's the only thing that can show up. You have it exactly. But what you see, all you have to do is see stacks of money coming to you. It doesn't matter from where. It just that that's all you see. And then you don't start asking where it is. And you watch. Circumstances, events begin taking place. You get a promotion, a pay raise, things start changing. But we have to remember, karma means that we are the one in the driver's seat. We are the one with the power. And what we're doing is creating effect which shows up as circumstance and experience. And so a lot of this really can be shifted with focus. Mm -hmm. If people allow themselves to simply determine the focus of of the divine experience that they should be having, and I don't want to use the word should because that's a judgment, the divine experience that is their right to have, mm -hmm. then that focus will keep in their forefront what they can manifest rather than allowing them to fall back because that's where most of the fears and things are, are coming from is usually from our past. Indeed. That's because we don't enter the unknown unknowingly, uh, going back to something that was said earlier. If we want abundance, there are three ancient sayings that come to mind. One says, be single in purpose. Uh, the second one says, keep thine eyes single. And the third one says, a house divided cannot stand against itself. Mm. So in other words, you can't have lack and abundance at the same time. You can't even have ill health and health at the same time. You can only look at one or the other. So whichever one you're looking at is the key. If you're looking at lack, look the other way. And then keep your focus on prosperity. I keep my focus off of abundance because I know that the universe has a sense of humor. <laughs> I keep it on prosperity because that it understands. And if you're going to keep your focus on prosperity, there's nothing else to look at. Enlightenment is not a destination. It's a recognition. It's not about change. It's just about being self-realized. Who am I in all of these events? Then you can have a direct effect because you are the cause, and then you can change it. 
My guest today is Stephen Harefield, and just amazing, amazing conversation with this author of Interview of an American Monk, Metaphysical Interpretations of the Bible, and the 12 Sacred Principles of Karma. You can find out more about him at harefield.com. That's H-A-I-R-F-I-E-L-D.com. There you can also find out about different lectures, events, and other interviews that he is participating in. I urge you very, very deeply to go pick up your copy of the 12 Sacred Principles of Karma. Go right to his website and order it. It will be worth the read, and it's something you are going to refer to over and over again. As you look at your life, reflect on what you have created, focus on what you'd like to create, and laugh in the process with the universe. We'll be right back with Stephen Harefield. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. www.1111mag.com. 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness become enlightened empowered and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices 1111 magazine a daily staple for lifting the mindset discovering the heart and stepping into conscious living 1111 magazine order now at www.1111mag.com 1111mag.com Listening on a higher dimension. Seventh Wave Network. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you'd like to join today's discussion, please call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5795. Again, 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to info at believesc.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simran Singh. Who you were is never as important as who you are right now, but it is up to you to do the shifting. It most assuredly will stay with, stay with you right where you are, and your same cycles will continue as they've been. We create our reality from within us, not from without. And what shows up outside of us is purely what we had originally created from within. Nothing may come into our lives without our direct influence on it. Whether a thief, abundance, poverty, or health shows up, it matters not to natural law. You attract to you what you are, not what you want. This is the second of the 12 karmic principles, the principle of creation. And again, I urge you to get this book, The 12 Sacred Principles of Karma, by Dr. Stephen Harefield, so that you can really understand how life works. If there was a guidebook to life, I'd say this is probably the closest one to it, so definitely get your copy. Stephen, we have uh, just the last segment left, and this has gone by so quickly. But I would like to talk a little bit about um, health-wise how karma shows up because I think a lot of people 
are experiencing illness right now and don't understand that. I know a lot of people are doing detoxing of the liver and kidneys and different organs, and they do these constant detoxes. But much of what we need to do is actually in consciousness, and and we can really change our health. And I loved how you put it in your book. So talk a little bit about how the organs have a meaningful metaphysical representation. Well, um, I was taught this as a monk, and if we looked at the different organs from a metaphorical perspective, we would understand illness. Here's what I mean. Uh, Lungs. We don't realize that lungs are our ability to receive life, to receive the gifts of life. And ultimately, I was given a seminar to a bunch of respiratory physicians and therapists, and I could tell they were getting bored. And I looked at him and said, all right, give me five minutes. I'm going to stand here and describe every patient you've ever seen in the history of your own career. And if I can do that, then you hear me out. And by the time I was done, their mouths were hanging open because I had just described (laughs) every patient any of them had ever seen. And they acknowledged it. And they said it was amazing to hear that. And I can tell you, they are controlling, um, demanding, uh, obviously extremely pushy. Those are just three simple ones. I'm not going to go through them all. But when you look at the kidneys uh, and the livers, uh, the livers, they are filters, uh, and it's how we filter the issues of life. People with kidney and liver problems, they don't let go of things easy. And same is true with colon and intestinal tract. And it just depends. It's our ability to release. It's our ability to digest the ideas of life. It comes down to one thing, your personal perspective of your own experience. If you don't like your experience, I can promise you, you're going to get ill. Why? Because you don't like you and your experience, so therefore you are destroying your body by one simple disliked thought of yourself at a time. And they will show up in those different organs. Anybody can call in right now and, and, and say, I have this or that going on with my body. If it's the left side of your body, it's because you're not using the, the right brain. If it's the right side of your body, you're using your left brain way too much. That's how that works. But anybody can call in, and I can describe you to you based on your illness. Well, and I think what we also have to understand is it is worlds within worlds, Mm -hmm. and that whole concept of self-love, that one that seems so vague, or, or, or even, you know, all of those people out there saying, oh, but I do love myself. We have to really look at what self-love means. How are we treating ourselves? How are we treating our bodies? Are we resting? Are we, are we, you know, clamoring for the next thing? Or are we taking the time to breathe? You know, it's that self-love piece seems to be one of the hardest pieces for people to get, myself included. Um, we aren't taught that. If we learn to understand that every cell in our body resonates to the idea of self-perspective, how you think about you. You see, when we don't love ourselves, we're saying that we are broken, we're not perfect, the Creator made a mistake. Forgive me, but I'm not going to be the one that's going to get in front of the Creator's face and say, oh, excuse me, dude or dudette, uh, you made a mistake. I mean, I was supposed to be a girl, you made me a guy, and that was really terrible. You made a mistake. I'm not going to tell the Creator it made a mistake. So what I'm going to do is just accept my perfection, because we can look at a rose, it's perfect. We can look at that butterfly, it's perfect. The bee, the tree, whatever, it's perfect. But when it comes to the individual human... No, it's not. That is a state of mind, or more importantly, a state of being. 
But if you realize that love is the most powerful thing that we have, and you apply that energetic emotion to yourself, all heaven will break loose in your life. Well, and I think you have to first be at the place to acknowledge that, okay, maybe I'm not loving myself truly loving myself. Maybe I don't even know what self-love is at this point because of what my life looks like. If this is what is showing up around me, maybe I need to go a little deeper in this area. Let me and, ask you a question. And, and that's one thing that I know for myself is I'm always digging a little deeper to find out, okay, if this is showing up in my life, what else have I not looked at in my own experience, in my own self-realization that still needs to be objectively observed? And and so often, I think we try to hide from ourselves, more importantly, even than other people, because we don't want to realize that we might feel broken. Not um, that we are broken, but we might feel broken. Absolutely. Well, the whole deal is, is, so, is being accepted by everybody. But look, let me ask you a question, Simran. Are you at total peace with Simran? You know, if I were being honest, I would say I'd like to think I'm at total peace with Simran, but if I were truly looking at the truth of who I am, there are many pieces of Simran that are not at peace, the part that doesn't rest enough, the part that doesn't take care of myself enough, the part that is so much like so many people that are listening on the show. Okay, why not give this one a, a, a shot? Why not simply accept all of those pieces as a part of the whole? And once you accept those pieces as part of the whole, then you'll be at peace with it. Why? Because you know it's there. Exactly, yes. But see, here's the deal. Because you don't take enough rest, guess what's in control based on karma? You not getting enough rest. That's what's in control, and you aren't. That's what it's telling you. That's all it's telling you. So just accept the fact that you aren't resting enough, and what will happen, you'll find yourself resting a little more and getting more done. Why? Because your stress level is down. I can see now, oh, i got to go do this, got to go do that. Um, but just like you said earlier, take time to breathe and just yes. accept the parts as a whole. Once you do that, none of that... Negative appearing stuff has any power whatsoever. Why? Because you know it's there. And the interesting thing is we get those words. We get those little messages. They kind of tap from the inside. Mm -hmm. You need to rest. You need to do this. You need mm -hmm. to do that. You need to drink more water. You need to go exercise. Whatever it is for any of us, we do get those tappings, but we don't necessarily listen to the tappings. Well, but here's I'm going to use the words that you just said. Here's something extremely subtle that most people miss. If I say to you, Simran, you need to do this, how do you feel inside as soon as I say that? Well, of course, that's going to produce a little bit of guilt. Uh, or is it going to produce something like, oh, sure, like you want me to jump on it right now? <laughs> sure. My point is, is just as soon as you hear the word need, there's a, an internal level of resistance that goes up. We are going to fight it. So anytime, if you remove certain words out of your language, you remove them out of your mind because you don't need to work out. You don't need to take a break. That's your ego barking at you. 
The Twelve Sacred Principles of Karma by Dr. Stephen Harefield. The Law of Willingness, another one of the Twelve Sacred Principles, is how I'd like to end this show. As we demonstrate who we are, we operate from authenticity each and every moment. Otherwise, we may be operating in error. Remember, error is neither good nor bad. It is simply the steering mechanism to guide us back onto our true path of life and self. What a glorious relief. So always be true to you. Do not live for others. Always live for you first. Then you are able to give to others all that you have, and you will accomplish all desires in a fearless fashion. May your journey come to a natural, peaceful state of being as you learn to realize you and then know you as the unique being you truly are. Thank you so much, Stephen, for being on 1111 Talk Radio. This has been a wonderful show, and I look forward to talking to you on a future episode of 1111 Interviews TV. Until uh, next week, I'm uh, Simran Singh. Be well. Thank you for stepping into the doorway of conscious choice with 1111 Talk Radio. Please join host Simran Singh again next Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time for another enlightening edition here on the 7th Wave Network. Remember, shift happens.